to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. your presence your power and your glory and the work that you are doing in our midst we ask oh lord that may our training capacity be transformed into our sending capacity we give you thanks for all these people that have graduated because we know it's a work of the spirit you are the lord of the harvest and now you've brought us and you are sending laborers into the harvest We think we are thankful for the greater things that we are yet to see. In the mighty name of Jesus, even as I begin to share your word, I ask that you may open our hearts that we may grow fruit out of whatever we are going to learn. We submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the authority of the word and the leading of the spirit. And we know that we are all going to bear fruit of the word which we receive because we receive it with meekness of heart. Stand on my feet, feel through my heart, think, think through my mind, and speak through my mouth. Your indestructible word, your people. Meet everyone at the point of their need. Bring us to a unity of the faith. Cause us to be of us, single mind. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we I'm going to introduce something very quickly and then we'll see where the Lord is going to take us. Uh that teaching the wisdom of a serpent I want you to continue listening to it until something is born in you. But uh, in line with the same No, no not in line with that I'll go back to a teaching I'd started in May this year it will connect uh, it will connect to wealth it will connect to wealth we're in a month of prayer but we're in a season of wealth so it will connect it will make sense as we go on so in May I'd begun a teaching titled the most often and attended to doors and um, 
I remember we looked at we looked at uh, the Y theorem. How many remember the the paintbrush theorem, right? Well, we basically took time to explain that there are doors within some people that may have not been opened because someone has not yet been disobedient. There are certain things you will never know about yourself until someone is disobedient. And if that person is not disobedient, you will never know those things about yourself. So, for example, Saul was never going to know that there was a king in him without the rebellion of the Israelites to demand a king. So if they never demanded a king, then there was no need for a king. So that door which God had put inside Saul to become a king would have remained forever shut. So there are times when God raises people to take other people's places because the people that he initially built rebelled. So we have a case um, of Judas. Had he not rebelled, there would have been no need for Matthias to take his place. So someone had to fill his place to be a foundational apostle. And to do that, they needed to find a replacement. And they found Matthias. Had Saul not disobeyed God, there would have been no need for David. So there was a king in David, but David was never going to know he was ever designed to be a king had Saul been an obedient man. So there are dimensions of greatness that depend on other people's disobediences. Whether you should pray for other people to disobey or not, I don't know. <laughs> when God was calling me into ministry, one of the things he told me was, I'm going to give you a place which was not initially yours. So for all I know, there could have been other people doing the work I'm doing. But because they did not do things correctly, God just raises some guy somewhere who's a musician, he's into movies. There's not so much about this guy. He nearly died. Like, there could have been better people out there, but they took it lightly. So God replaced them with uh, your boy, Pastor D. It was not always like this. So someone should have been standing where I'm standing. And it was not me. <laughs> you are not convinced. Me, I know. You really don't know. So the point there is um, don't think you are irreplaceable. All of us must always know that we are replaceable. God can call someone else to do our work because 
There are many answers you will not have about some things that you would like to happen in life. But uh, if you give up because you don't understand God and you don't know why you are going through everything you are going through, then the work of God can't be on pause because you're on pause. So there's this thing that God does where he brings in someone younger and more handsome with a bald head and dark in complexion <laughs> to, you know, to do the work that you're supposed to do. So when we, when we observe those things, we then want to be humble so that we are not replaced. And you see, God is the only boss who fires you but lets you keep your job. So you don't know that you are fired because your name doesn't change. If you're an apostle, you'll always be an apostle. So you have the office, but someone else has the function. <clears throat> we'll still call you deaconess. Meanwhile, we are giving the work to others because we've noticed that you just discourage us. We'll call you Pastor Ma, Pastor Sir. We will not demote you, except, you know, the work you're supposed to be doing, other people will be doing it. So we need to be very careful how we respond. Praise the Lord. So we have an instance where the Bible tells us Jesus was crucified from the foundations of the earth, right? But that was a mystery which was not discovered simply because it was dependent on the disobedience of Adam. So had Adam not disobeyed, there would have been no need to crucify Jesus for what? So imagine if Adam was obedient throughout, you see. There would have been no need to crucify Jesus. Would there? Huh? So the mystery of Jesus would have been an eternal mystery would have never known about it. Adam had to disobey for the second Adam to come. And we now see the greatness of the second Adam due to the disobedience of the first Adam. Are you following me? Mm. Sometimes I'll be talking very calmly like this. I'm sure your lecturers don't shout. Why do you give them attention? You see that it's not about the lecturer, it's about the student. When the student wants to pass, even if the lecturer is boring, they will pay attention. So that's really up to you. Sometimes I want to be chilled uh, the way I am today. Now, in the same vein, I want us to look at it at a different angle, and it will make sense. There are some unattended to doors which can only manifest in the presence of trouble. So. I want, you to, to, I want to introduce you to something I'm saying, the importance of trouble. The importance of trouble. The importance of trouble. The first importance of trouble. I know you've never heard something like this. <laughs> I 
I know you've never heard something like this, but I'm going to show you that sometimes trouble is important. And I'm going to demonstrate to you the importance of trouble. Number one, the purpose of trouble is to reveal the presence or absence of a weakness or strength. The presence of trouble is to reveal the presence or absence of a weakness or a strength. So, um, you, you can't say you have self-control if you have not been offended on the road three times and you are driving. Then you experience road rage. And then you have to behave like Jesus Jr. the whole time, just blessing everybody. Sing like never before, oh my soul, blessed his holy name, just blessing everyone. You are still doing the chizungu. The presence, the purpose of trouble is to reveal the presence or the absence of a weakness or a strength. You don't know that you are strong or that you are weak if there's no trouble. You just can't be saying, I am, the, I am I'm strong. I'm the strength of the Lord. If you have not yet been tested, you've not been exposed to weakness. So, after you ignore your ex and the pictures he's posting about how he's doing fine without the previous relationship and how he's happy where he is now, and because of your wisdom or lack thereof, you didn't delete his number. And now you see those things. Whether you are going to be angry the whole day, a person comes, I don't know why it is. <laughs> An innocent person. You don't know that. You don't know you. You don't know you are a weak man until the girl you like has a question that she wants to ask you and she offers to come to your room and you are just the two of you. And her name is Toxina. <laughs> and she proposes you sit closely as you explain the math to her. And as she's laughing, she leans on you. <laughs> you don't know you are a weak man until you are with Toxina, just the two of you. You have to be tested. I'm going to read it from the NKJV of Proverbs 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity. Now, I'm not trying, listen, look at me. I'm not trying to look down on what you are going through and how it has broken you down. But I just want to show you what the Bible says, nevertheless. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. If you faint under pressure, you have need of courage. This one is polite. It's basically saying you didn't have courage. Being polite. If you faint under pressure, you have need of courage. Have you ever been in a class where you start 200 and people pull out? When they just look at the wake, 
You just find you are 200. Next time, you are 180. Where are the rest? After I can test, you are 150. <laughs> they are in need of courage. I like the way the, past, the, 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 the God's Word translation puts it. It says, if you faint in a crisis, you are weak. If you faint in a crisis, you are weak. Can you faint it? If there's, a, if there's a marathon, 100 meters, and all of you start, you are running, then one of you faints. What does that say about that person? We, without looking down on them, we are just also saying they are weak. Because how come the other one did not faint? Are you following me? Say, I will not faint in the day of adversity. Now that you've confessed it, you'll be tested. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I like the message translation. If you fall into pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. It means it, it's not that the crisis was strong, that's why you fell. No, it was because you had already fallen. <laughs> you already had a weakness in the first place, which has merely been exposed by the crisis. So, you see the importance of trouble. <laughs> I hope you are seeing it. You don't know that you are rude until someone irritates you. And you see, I don't know, some, you know, marriage is a double-edged sword. It's a blessing, but at the same time, it's, it can be an unblessing. <laughs> you see, one of the things that your wife is going to demonstrate to you, the Bible calls her a help meet for you. One of the uses of a wife is to help you see your weaknesses. Let me explain it. She's always asking for money and you're irritated that everything is about money. So as she's coming, she's going to search my pocket. The moment I just leave my trousers and I left money, there's no room for finding it. <laughs> everything is about money. Everything is about buying it. No, and you see, the way that God has packaged our friends, <laughs> they are packaged in such a way that you know, from me, you can learn easily because you know I advise you. But for them, they will practicalize the lesson. They, 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 they help you out, not with an example, with an exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so their example is their exercise. So you learn through an exercise. So you now discover that the problem is not that it's materialistic, but that you are stingy. But then, so the, pro, the presence of that, I don't want to call her trouble, the presence of your wife, <laughs> the importance, therefore, is to, when you break down in the midst of her asking, <laughs> then you know that there wasn't much patience to you in the first place. 
So when you see it, maybe look at it and say, maybe I'm trying to, I'm trying to, maybe I need to work on this thing. Not that, no, she angers me. No, 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 no. She's trying to bring, you see, impurities are brought out by fire. And fire is uncomfortable. Imagine if you were gold and you are being purified. I think you can cry. Because it's under intense pressure. So whilst you, the Bible says, you know, husbands should love their wives, you know, like Christ loved the church, uh, you know, and he cleaned her by the sprinkling of the water of the word that he may present uh, her to himself, a pure and a spot without wrinkle in his heart. She is also cleansing you through exercises. Hmm? So, you are a woman, you always want to be with your husband. He can't even wake. You want to go out on a date. You go out on a date, we quit. You want another date. You know, women are strange things sometimes. A, a woman would rather you sit down just looking at each other's eyes the whole day. Just the whole day. Muzi langana chan. It's a weakness they are proud of. So now, the presence of a man <laughs> therefore becomes important to show you that there are other important things he has to attend to. Apart from you, I think, I think we're having a deliverance session right here. So, he's, he's, he's not rude, no. He's just trying to show you that you, are, you like being too dependent. Every time is to be with him. Every time I want to take photos. Every time. No. But you see again, that's the kind of a lesson which is only learned through an exercise. So marriage is, can never be an example. It's an exercise. That's why many fail, because there's no example. There's no example. Exercise. Imagine, calculus, so exercise. So she's, every time she's, because you can't even finish a sentence, she has finished it for you. She's telling you what to do. She's not controlling. You are an angry man. That's the problem. You, are angry, you have a short temper. You never knew it until you got married. So now look at it like this. I think God wants me to be patient. So when she's talking now, you are listening. Even when you don't want. You are just say yes, yes. No, I advise we do this. And then you enjoy your marriage. 
Not because everything is perfect, but because you've been perfected through it. You become a patient man against your will. <laughs> you didn't intend on being patient. You just find you are a patient man. Because your impatience was exposed. going to give some examples, but they're going to be personal. So, the, the idea, therefore, is that problems are important, because sometimes... <laughs> okay, are you denying that now? I've just proved it to you. They become important to show you know you are strong in faith, not after. You know, children of God, I want to give a testimony, because what the Lord did for me... And he did this, and he did that. Hallelujah. Amen. But when you were in the situation, you were crying the whole time, wondering where God is, wondering. One person comes to see you. Only one person came. How many do you want to come? Then when you get your breakthrough now, you are so happy. No. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things unseen. So when, when you have what you believe in God for, it's not faith, it's manifestation. We can only know that you are a man of faith when you are in a place of lack and yet you are comfortable. It's not your testimony that helps us know that you are a man of faith. No, it's your life. How you are living whilst you are waiting. That is what helps us know whether you are so, when you now say, I have a lot of faith in God, God will say, let's test it. So, he'll put you in a, in a place where he'll be checking if you believe in God. They'll be checking. He prayed, he prayed for it. Yes, we have the prayer request here. Let's see if he doesn't receive it, if you continue praying. And then the angel withdraws you. Then another person, hey, he then gets what you were praying for. And you say, no, 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 I don't. I'm tired of I'm tired of this guy. How do you reduce your relationship with God to an exam or to money or to a job? You didn't get a job. You didn't get the job that you wanted. You sought for it. You prayed about it. You agreed with your brothers. You didn't get it. And then, if you are strong, then God again does it again. <laughs> because he just wants to be sure. <laughs> so you are tested again. By the time that test is done, you have no confidence in the things of the flesh because you know that you can have it today and lose it. But then you begin to depend on a relationship with God which is very internal. And the waters of your heart are not stirred simply because there's something physical you didn't get. So you die to the flesh first. Then all these things become added to you, Mary. You will be tested. The moment you profess your faith, you will be tested. So what James says is, look, count it all joy. When you go through diverse trials and temptations, yeah, count it all joy. 
Are you following me? Tell someone, count it all joy. All right? So you don't know that you are strong or that you are weak until trouble is introduced. You don't know that you can pray for the sick until someone faints in your, in your middle, in your midst. 911. Everything that's in your heart now starts coming out. In the name of Jesus, get, we want to see that. Not every time telling us, oh, there was a great man. No, we want to see you being the great man. Lay hands. You know, I don't like giving personal stories because um, I don't want you to look at me a certain way sometimes. But there was a time when, you know, my son was not well. I think we had taken him to the hospital before. He came back. And again, he was unwell. So my wife said, should we take him to the hospital? I said, no. I got my sweater and made him sleep on it. Kai, I say I'm anointed. <laughs> now that's a six-month-old baby. Either you are careless or you have faith. It can only be two things. And the boy woke up fine. He was fine. He got healed. Because he slept on my sweater. I'm not saying don't take your children to the hospital. No, I'm just saying. Sometimes you get tired and you just okay, be healed. And you see these children, when all those who plan to have children, hi, your faith, you will see your faith. You will lay hands. Come on, you carry that chair. Fish fillet carry pie. So you have to speak the language of faith. You don't know until trouble comes. You don't know that you have no, you naturally don't have peace. You don't know that until you are in a storm. Or you don't know that you actually have peace until you are in a storm. So storms therefore become important in that life. Hallelujah. You don't know that you are wicked until you don't have money. Then you can take up any job to eat. Then you realize, no, I was already weak. This temptation just exposed the weakness. Or you don't know that you have character until you have no money whatsoever. And there's a bad job that only you can. And you know, there are some jobs you know you can do ugly ones very well. <laughs> there are ugly jobs, you know, this one I can do. Then you do it. And, and you know, worldly people, they pay fast. You are, a, you are a medical doctor. Someone comes, I want an abortion. They say, no, I can't do it. Says, no, please, I need to do it. No, I'm already married. If people discover, I'll give you a 20,000 kwacha, please. And the 20 kwacha comes out. <laughs> <laughs> then you start thinking, it's not like I'm the one who's doing it. I'm just doing my job professionally. I know the law says this, but it's not like. Not like. How many months are you? I'm, I'm, I discovered it. I'm only, I'm only, I'm only six weeks. It's not even such. It, it. Ah. 
then you realize you were already a hungry person. You were just waiting for food to show up. Amen. Amen. I don't know, so may you be tested so that you... I don't know if people are going to receive this this, this declaration. Um, only 20 people have really lifted their hands to it. You know, temptations are so bad sometimes. They are so bad that one day Jesus called his disciples and said, you pray, don't lead us into temptation. Because what, what he experienced there, he didn't like it. Ah, he didn't like it. Eh? You know, Jesus was tempted as a man. Let me tell you something. Jesus was tempted as a man. Because if he was God, he wouldn't have been tempted. Because James chapter number one says, when you are tempted, do not say that I've been tempted by, because God cannot be tempted by. So if Jesus Christ was God, then he wouldn't have been tempted, because God cannot be tempted by evil. Neither can he tempt with evil. So that means the man's side of Jesus let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. He can't. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But the Bible, let me just answer a question that you may ask some of you. The Bible says, next, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away in his own desires. So the prerequisite for temptation is desire. The, 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 the Greek word is lust. Desire, it means the same thing. So, Jesus as a man had lust. <laughs> Follow me close. I know you don't want to hear this, but that's what the Bible is saying. Am I, did I write that? Okay, let me explain. He, there's a difference between sin and lust. That word lust means desires. Let me explain it to you. Go on. It, it therefore, it, it then goes on to say, then each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his desires and enticed. That's phase one, right? Phase two. Then when desires have conceived, they give birth to sin. So the desires don't have to conceive. There is no problem. The problem is when the desires conceive, then they give birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it also gives birth now to death. So the problem is not on the last. The problem is not on the desires. The problem is when you act upon it. Now, I know some of you are also thinking of Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. <laughs> Matthew 5, 27. I hope you're not thinking about it so that I don't mislead you. But let me just clear some theologians. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Wherein Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. Then Jesus says, but now I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman and wants to possess her, just looking. Another person says, the one who just lasts. <laughs> so if therefore he had lust and it is considered sin, does it mean he was tempted because of the sin in him? Let me explain what Jesus was trying to say here. He's telling them, you have heard that it was said. Do not commit adultery. But I say to you that the one who even lasts after a woman, in his heart he has already done it. Jesus said to say, the law that you are even trying to hold on to as a measure of righteousness 
is so high that none of you can even reach it. That's why I want to do away with it. Because you judge yourself by it even when you have not done anything. I don't know if you're following me. It's, it, the, according to the law, just by looking, you are supposed to be stoned. You have not done anything. So he was trying to say that this standard is so high that no one can ever miss it. You have not sinned. So that's why he was trying to move them from that standard to a standard of the grace of God. Because if you do not desire a woman, you, how are you going to marry her? You need desires. When God was telling me, this is my wife, there are other things that I had to look at which I felt fulfill my desires. So I look and I say, uh, uh, glory be to God. <laughs> now, if I was a spirit, <laughs> what was I going to do? So I hope you're understanding that. So he, he had desires like a man. That's why the Bible says afterwards he was hungry. Those are desires. The Bible would say things like he was tired. Jesus Christ was tired. That's why he went to the other side, but they followed him. And the Bible says when he looked at them, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. But he was tired. Now, as God, would he be tired? So he can be tempted because he has a desire to rest. He can be tempted to rest when he's not supposed to rest. But he didn't. Instead, he, he went on to preach. You see that? Even when he's not supposed to eat, as a human being, Jesus used to eat. That means he could be tempted with food. He could be tempted with food, just like you and I can be tempted with food. Even with women, as long as he was a human being, he could be tempted. Maybe the Bible has just not reported it, but the Bible has reported in Hebrews chapter 4 that he was tempted in how many ways? Yes, so fitting all. You fit in if women is not part of it. Fit it. Hallelujah. I was looking for my Bible. So, the point I was making, therefore, is that uh, temptation helps you to know yourself. Now, being tempted, the point I wanted to make is being tempted is not the problem. It is doing what the temptation is demanding that you do. You cannot be tempted, tempted to steal, tempted to do this. Are you following me? The second importance of trouble is to bring unity against a common enemy. You know, sometimes you don't know that you are united until you are stricken. Then you realize we need to, we need to unite. Here's, this principle is so deep that it goes, give me First Samuel chapter 4. This principle is so important that it goes, First Samuel chapter 4, that it goes, the next importance of trouble is to bring unity. Can you imagine? There are times when people can't unite. So what God will do is he will permit trouble. Yes. 
People have a tendency to unite when there's trouble. In the presence of trouble, they will do it. Let me give Now, I was saying that this principle, it goes, it's very spiritual. Let me give you an example. The Bible says in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 12, I believe, and Luke chapter 11, the same story. It says, when an evil spirit has been cast out, it goes to dry and arid places to seek rest. And when it does not find it, it says to itself, you know what, I'll go back to my home. Then it will go back to check. And if it finds that the house is empty, it will celebrate and go and get seven demons more wicked than itself. And they will enter into that person. And the state of that person will now be worse than before. Now, these demons even unite to go and attack a person. When this demon says, mm, the power that cast me out, I can't risk going back alone. The Bible says it will go and seven, find seven demons more worse than it. Because it knows that this one, ah, this one, you need fasting for two years to cast out this one. I don't want to be removed. Because demons don't like being out alone. They don't like feeling lonely. They need a house. So, once they find a house, they don't want to let go. So they would rather unite with other demons. Yet you, as a Christian, you're struggling to unite with your friends. Let's do this together. You are busy with your secular job. Let's do this. So something will strike. That will make you now feel like you need to be part of the team. Just so that the unity of the body may be fulfilled. Are you following me? So the importance of trouble is there to bring about unity. Sometimes we don't know that we are so disorganized until we are in trouble. Are you following me? I want you to look at this interesting story. The Bible says, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Ephraim. The Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. 4,000 Israelites were killed. Let's go on. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. Are you seeing what they planned to do? Are you here? How is the heat treating you? We are all being heated. So can you focus? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of the enemies. So they agreed. Huh? That's what they did. They brought, they brought, now look at that, the Bible says, so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. Now, these are angels of purity where God dwells, okay? And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Now, these were wicked sons. They used to steal offerings. They used to sleep with women in the temple. They were those kinds of, so they were the ones who were handling the presence of God because they were priests. Huh? Let's go. 
And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came in the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. So loudly that the earth shook with two sinners carrying the ark. Let's go. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong! So they began to give themselves pep talks. They began to strengthen each other. They were now united. Look at that. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men. You Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight! So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a great slaughter against the Israelites that 30,000 footmen and their fail of Israel, 30,000 foot soldiers. That means they killed 30,000 of them. After the ground shook, after they, they screamed, then a few wicked men just decided to unite. A few wicked men just said, Let, we will not become their slaves. Let's just unite. And when they united, they won the battle against righteous men. So you can have the anointing. You can have the power. But if you don't have the unity, wicked people can defeat you. Even demons know. They will get other demons more wicked so that they form a a team, then they come for you. One of the reasons why it took me long to clear Zial is because people who should have helped me, <laughs> fellow believers, they had their own cliques. I was a loner. So it took me two years to clear what I should have cleared in one. I'm not blaming them. Maybe I'm the one who stayed away from them. But they cleared that first attempt. They were working together. But me, I was alone. How is it that you can be in a study group and you are enjoying what you are getting from worldly people? You understand each other so well, but you can't deal with, you can't come together with fellow believers and work together. Can't you see that's a demon fighting you? And one of the first things the demon did is it blinded you from seeing that it is a demon that is weak. Because if you saw it, you'd say, hey, I strike you with thunder and go hug your enemy. So it has to hide so that you can have beef with a fellow believer. So some people need trouble to learn to unite. But you don't have to if you learn by the hearing of the word. God will not have to permit trouble just so that you could be united. Are you hear hearing me? Yes. Number three. We are going somewhere. 
Trouble is a tool God uses to fulfill his initial purpose. Trouble is a tool that God uses to to fulfill his initial purpose. You see, a lot of times, God tells people, do this. And the person may even say, ah, I'm going to do it, Lord. Then they just end up doing other things. Strange. In Jonah chapter number one, God tells Jonah, go this side. Jonah says, "Mm, let me pray about it. (laughs) And then he prays about it, and his answer gives him... His heart gives him an answer to go to Tashish, as opposed to Nineveh, where God told him to go. God told him, go to Nineveh. He decided to go elsewhere. He sent himself. God had sent him. He sent himself. Now, the Bible particularly says, God sent a storm. In Jonah chapter number one, There's a portion that says God sent a storm. I know some people say good things come from God. You only expect good things from God. If that storm was sent by God, then a storm, if it comes from God, is a good one. (laughs) So God sent a good storm. So there was an initial purpose. God wants to drive his will. But then this guy is doing other things. If he only listened, there are some people who are only in trouble because they never listened. And that trouble, that trouble, you you as a preacher, you can't deliver that person because it is God who has bound them. God is the one who has come with chains to bind them. So when you sing, there is power, you break every chain. This one, (laughs) you try to break. I'll, I'll give you an example. One time, my spiritual father, uh, Pastor Mudeli, said a story that he was praying for all these people, praying for all these people. Then there's this young man who he even liked, but something was not happening. So when he was about to lay hands on that young man, then suddenly he saw him in chains. And then he says, you, what did you do? Because you see, if you know Pastor Mudeli is a deliverance minister, he loves to do deliverances. But this one, he felt like, "Mm -mm, I need to be patient with this one. What did you do? He says, no, this is nothing from your father's side. (laughs) It's got nothing to do. That one I can handle. That's my area. Now, this one, where did this one come from? And then he now confessed that before I came to this church, I committed an offense in the other church where I was. And they, they suspended me. They bound me. They excommunicated me, but I didn't like it, so I left. Says, oh, no, this one, I can't deliver you. Because those people put these chains around you in the name of Jesus. So you have to go back for them to untie you. Because if I untie you, I'll be fighting against God. So... Even if you were a powerful man of God, if you were in that boat with Jonah and that storm came and you can command the storm to cease, this one you will command it to not cease. Why? Because it is not coming from the devil. It's not coming from the elements of nature. It has been given an instruction. 
<laughs> it's a servant of God. <laughs> it's a servant of God. It's on your side. Don't fight it. <laughs> You're on the same team. Praise God. So you bind and bind. The Bible says, but the Lord did what? Who sent out a, sea, a, a, a great wind in the sea? Who sent it? Mm-hmm. So God just sent an angel of the wind. And you think it's a demon? No, 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 no. This time it's an angel just troubling the waters. And after, after they did everything, they prayed to their gods, nothing was happening. They said, ah, guys, someone has performed here. There's someone here. And then he said, I'm the one. And then the Bible says they perceived that he ran away from the presence of God. After that trouble was done, he said, the only solution is if you throw me into the trouble, just let the trouble finish its course. And they said, no, we won't do it because they didn't want him dead. But because they noticed, no, it's either our lives or his. They said, no, we love you, sir, but... And, uh, two, three, four. John. And as if that's not enough, the Bible now says, and God prepared the fish. Because he knew that Jonah is a stubborn prophet. So he may swim and get out. So the Bible now goes to a fish and has a conversation with it. He gives the fish a calling. And he says, look, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to swallow a man of God. And the fish says, ah, a man of God. says, yes. God anoints the fish. No, look at that. What does the Bible say about the fish? Who prepared it? Yes. So there are some people who are swallowed in a certain fish. You can't cut them out. Because the fish is on your side. You are on the same team. It's been anointed by the Lord. to trouble the prayer warrior. Because there's something that God told him, but he didn't listen. So God says, no. Some children listen with their ears, then the others listen with their skin. When it hurts, then they say, Jesus is Lord. So God will make sure he sends a pinch in the right measure. <laughs> Say, I listen with my ears. So, you see, trouble is a secondary tool. You don't have to go through trouble. If you listen to God initially, you will be fine. But when God notices that you are not listening, he will then anoint a situation. Because some people hear well. This guy is fighting with an angel. Fighting with an angel. He will let me go. Fighting with an angel. Then he had to, the angel had to hit him on the side and he broke his bone, his limb. That's when he said, okay, come in. When I was telling you to let me go, you didn't let me go. So something has to break for some people to listen. Are you following me? Yes. So the, the importance of trouble, therefore, <laughs> becomes to, um, to help you go back to God's initial purpose for your life. Do you remember the scripture we read earlier in the book of Psalm 119, verse 67? 
Psalm 119, verse 67. The Bible says, I used to wander off, NLT. It says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. So God did not want to discipline you. But because you kept wandering, so he had to send the tool of discipline. Look at this. He says, but now I closely follow your word. Ah, so when he spoke nicely so that you hear, you were on WhatsApp. So now you will hear. You see, trouble now has been sent as a preacher to you with a sermon. The one that you missed with your ears, you will not miss when it touches your skin. You will, go, you will look for the podcast. Are you listening to me? I like the way it puts it in the Passion Translation. It says, before I was humbled, I used to always wander astray. But now I see the wisdom of your words. So some of you need to be humbled before you see the wisdom of the words of God. But if you see the wisdom of the words of God, then you will have no need for, for being humbled. There's a difference between humility and being humbled. Eh? When you are humbled, you are humiliated. It's not humility, it's humiliation. Because you've been... You didn't want... But if you humble yourself, the Bible says, God will say, no, no, stand. And the Bible... Listen, the Bible says... The Bible says... God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the... That's what I'm saying. Some humbling, when you look at it, it's not a demon doing it, no. So you can say, mm -mm, this person has been humbled too much. I need to do something about it. Then you find it's God who is, who is releasing powers of humility. <laughs> He's humbling the person. What do you do? You, you just say, oh, natural chafe, natural chafe. You go your own way. <laughs> because that person has been humbled. I've seen people humbled by God. And one way God humbles the person is he'll just withdraw. Then when he withdraws, then the demons will say, ah, there's no covering. Then they will come for you. And even after people try to fight them, it will be hard because it is God who withdrew. Are you following me? The Bible also says in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Chapter 8, I'm going to read from verse 1. This is after Stephen was killed. The Bible then says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Look at this. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house. Da -da -da. He was persecuting the believers. All right? The next verse then says, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Now, the problem is that they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. That was a problem. In the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verse 8, he says, when you read the last chapter of Luke, he was telling them, tarry in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until you receive power. Then in Acts, chapter number 1, verse 8, he tells them, 
but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you shall be my witnesses. At first he told them, stay in Jerusalem, but he didn't say stay for eternity. Because how was the gospel going to spread if they stayed there? And they didn't want to leave, to leave Jerusalem. The apostles ne never wanted to leave Jerusalem. They wanted to be there because they were expecting Jesus to come back one year later. But Jesus wanted the gospel to go to all the world. He says, go into the whole world and preach the gospel. But they wanted to stay at Jerusalem. So now the Bible shows us that God used the tool of persecution. And one of the servants of God, even in his disobedience, he was a servant of God, Paul. He was only doing it because had they run away from Jerusalem to go to other places, there would have been no one to kill. But they wanted to stay there. <laughs> they didn't want to leave Jerusalem. The Bible says they had to be scattered through persecution. But the Bible says as they went, they began to preach the gospel everywhere. They, so the initial purpose for God was for them to take the gospel everywhere, but they wanted Jerusalem to Arifika. So God had to use the tool of trouble to fulfill his initial purpose. Not all discomfort is an attack from the enemy. Sometimes it is a message that there's something you've not paid attention to. There was an assignment which God gave you, not given you that God gave you that you didn't pay attention to. So some trouble will be there for some time. And until you begin to obey and do what God initially asked you to do, that trouble will continue. Are you following me? The Bible says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah after the persecution. That means had Philip not been persecuted, he would have just stayed in Jerusalem. What would have happened to the people of Samaria? They would have not received the gospel. And the Bible says he cast out demons and he healed the sick. And there was great joy in that city. That guy was not sent by God. He was sent by persecution. Persecution was the servant God used to send him. Initially, when God sent him, he was chilling, taking his time, minding his own business. So God now had to use trouble to make sure he is sent where he's supposed to go. So if, if God is to send you and you are to listen properly, you don't need the trouble. So it's a secondary tool. So not all trouble is bad, although it is bad in itself. Hey, are you following me? Yes. Finally for today. Trouble is a tool that God uses to demonstrate his glory. And I need to explain something here. Trouble is a tool that God uses to demonstrate his glory. Trouble is a two. You see, many sicknesses that people have, God did not bring them on him. On, on, God did not bring them on the people. However, God can demonstrate his power by healing that person. Are you seeing that? Let me give you an example. Go to the book of John chapter 11.
The Bible reads, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Let's go. It was that, that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Interesting, Jesus loved Martha. Why? Remember what she did, the Bible has said it. She was that prostitute initially. Who took an alabaster box? The Bible says it was a, 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 an oil worth a one-year wage. So if, say, the minimum wage is 5,000 kwacha, or let's say 10,000 kwacha, whatever job she was doing, she was just banking it. <laughs> she was just banking, and she got that oil. She worked hard for that man. Now you can imagine, after all the work she did, as a prostitute, whatever they do, with all that hard labor, she now takes that and she gives it to Jesus. Yet you was doing clean jobs which Jesus gave you. When we say we have first fruit service, one month salary, ah, God will hear your prayers that month. He will hear them, whether he likes it or yes. Lord, the things I've done in the kingdom, I give you thanks. Yet this woman worked for one year just to break it up. No wonder Jesus loved her life. See, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But there's something that the Amplified says. It's the Bible says God cannot do without a joyous prompt to do it. A lot of you are happy to give, but you're not prompt. There's something that you need to graduate to when it comes to obedience. And what is going to make you great in, this, in the kingdom of God as a servant is your promptitude to obedience. The moment God says it, before your mind kicks in, you've done it. Then you go home and then the mind says, don't do it. And you say, hey, I already did it. It's too late. It, there's, a, there's a swiftness you need to grow in obedience. Not to think about it. God has told you you want to pray about it. Swiftness. Because the instruction is divine. You swiftly act on it. This is what has, this is what has made many small in the kingdom of God. Because the moment God said it, the moment instruction came, you took long to act on it. And you gave an opportunity for the counsel of the flesh to advise you. And once you were advised, you acted on the advice. Look at where you are now, some of you. So you want to obey quickly. I want you to say, I'm a prompt to do it, person. Say, I'm a prompt to do it, person. So stop thinking about it. The moment it comes from God, immediately you act on it. We will think later. Whatever it is, we will think later. Like, you know what happens? Now you know that your partnership is every month. How do you forget and you say, no, I'll send that airtel money? That's fine. But it tells us something about you. Why didn't you withdraw the money to bring it to the altar? It was not on your mind. You are not quick. You're not, and then, even that one week that you send next week, the finance department has to beg you. They have to come. Oh, please, can you remind me? Uh, kindly remind me tomorrow. 
just in case I forget. It's not that I don't want to do it, but I may just forget. So please remind me. Eh? Why do you even need a reminder? How many reminders did you need to write your exam? The reason why you didn't need a reminder was because you placed weight on it. So you don't, no, 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 stop the reminder. I, some of you even have an internal alarm. For work, as long as it is six hours, you don't need an alarm. You wake up, you, your internal clock has been set so strong that even in the midst of a prophetic dream, it will awaken you so that you can go for work. Hmm. That needs to change. It needs to change. So there has to be a promptitude. And one of the things that shocks me about that scripture was that when they broke the alabaster box on the feet of Jesus, a demon manifested. Did you ever see that? There was a manifestation. He says, why don't we give to the poor? In other words, let's not waste on the man of God. It's a waste. It's a waste. Let's not waste on the man of God. It's a waste. Let's give to the poor. They are more important. And some people, I'll tell you, there are some people you need to be careful. I'll repeat this. There are some people you need to be careful in giving. Hmm. The thing that is making that guy poor, <laughs> you give to him. He said, no, the pastor already has enough, enough tithe. You now take the person, whatever is making him poor, you are sowing your tithe into it. So your generosity without technical spiritual knowledge makes you a bed of the same feather. I'm not saying don't help the poor. I'm just saying do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. Are you following me? Take me back to that scripture. Lazarus. So the Bible goes on now to say, therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. And they didn't even say Lazarus. They had to appeal to him. The one you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So can you imagine the whole sickness <laughs> was not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Let me say this. He didn't say that this sickness was caused by God so that his glory may be seen. No. He said this sickness is not unto death, but that through it the glory of God might be seen. There's a difference. So, the devil may cause something to happen against you, but God can use that same thing to showcase his glory. It may have not been caused by God, this one, but God can use it as an opportunity to showcase his power over the devil. So there are some troubles that the devil has caused. Genesis 50 verse 20, the message Bible translation. So the purpose of trouble, therefore, becomes to show the glory of God. Sometimes you can't, you can't see the power. You have to cast out demons unless someone is possessed. Then you say, in the name of Jesus, come out. Then after they manifest, they, then you say, hey, hey, 
<laughs> Praise Jesus. Eh? I remember when Minister Mono <laughs> cast out her first demon. We were at Siwela. Um, I was outside. She came to me. Daddy, daddy, I cast out a demon. I cast out a demon. She said, calm down. Come, praise God. No. Like, we couldn't breathe. She had cast out a demon. Why are you breathing? Cast out a demon. <laughs> so, she now discovers the power she has because of the presence of trouble. So, every time you see trouble, it is an opportunity for the glory that is on the inside of you to come out. And sometimes what God would deliberately do to promote you is that he will permit trouble in an already troubled world to come where your power is needed. Just so that you're, it's not that he's causing it. No, the world is already troubled. So he will just organize it so that you can give a solution to it. Remember Daniel? All that happened just so that he could be promoted because only he could interpret. Yes, all that happened just so God will organize, when God sees you have a gift, he will now organize a trouble. It's already, there's already trouble in the world. Don't say he caused it. He will just organize it to come where you are. So that when you sort it out, the glory of God on the inside of you can, can be known and you can be promoted. So no, don't see every time you see trouble. No, oh, sometimes you need to tell your family, calm down. Let me tell you what to do. Then afterwards, they'll believe in Jesus. Because of the glory that has come out of you. Which, and next week I'm now going to show you that, the, 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 which, which is where now I want to get to. The importance of trouble is to make money. Listen, I'll expand next week, but there is no money without trouble in this world. If you don't learn to sort out people's problems and... I have been to a hospital where they are, they are operating on this girl, and she's supposed to give birth naturally, and they've tried, they've tried, and she can't. Her strength has failed. And then they say, okay, before the baby gets distressed, let's quickly do a C-section. And before they do a C-section, the doctor says, ah, you have the money. How much is it, 15,000? And this poor man says, please do it, I will pay. And they say, okay, okay. Then they go and they operate on the person and the man. So without that trouble, that doctor would have not made money. We as lawyers depend on your differences. <laughs> so sometimes we, visit, we call our clients. I, what are you going through? You need to go through some things. Start a fight somewhere. We need it. <laughs> we need it. We need people as lawyers. Are you seeing how controversial this teaching is? So it's not that I'm creating trouble. No, the world is already troubled. So what you need to do for the particular gift that you have, you need God to take you where the trouble you can sort out is. And people who make money in this world are people who solved problems. Let us stand. So I told you we are in a season of wealth, right? And I'm showing you how to make wealth. You can't make wealth without trouble. Not in this world. We are going to pray.
There are many problems in this world which you, after you solve, you'll be paid for. Someone was saying, what if you sell coffins? <laughs> How do you pray? How do you pray for your business to increase? <laughs> Listen, and I will tell you something. If you want to get into the coffin business, get into it. In fact, get into the business of also preparing bodies and things of that kind. We need it. People are always dying. And many of these people running these businesses are non-believers. We need people who are believers who can carry bodies and the place has been prayed for and they can clean bodies, put them nicely in coffins. People are always dying. The issue is not, may people die so that I have the business. No, you, you just need the grace to drive the business to your funeral parlor. <laughs> so, Trouble may not be created, but already created trouble can come to your way so that you can sort it out. Because the world is already troubled. So I pray many of you, or those who feel it, start a coffin business. It's needed. If you've been feeling it, start it. A funeral parlor, start it. You people, have you ever noticed how expensive funerals are? Where do you think the money goes after you buy a casket? And the thing with funerals is this. Even if the family was so scattered, they will buy a coffin. They, and then you tell them, ah, this one is 27. They will, because they want, you know, there are those with big egos. They want to look like they took care of their mother. They will buy. Meanwhile, you, you took just about five pin, six pin to make it. So that can mark up. You bring the type. I'm just trying to show you the worst case scenario. People will always die. So if you say, no, I don't want to start business, let the one who wants to, don't, let them start. Do you know how much they charge just to bury people there in Memorial Park? You can even get a caplot as a family. That man is making money. He's in money, that one. <laughs> ah, begin to pray. Let your trouble locate you, the one that you can sort out so that you can make money out of it. Today will be difficult. Ezuge the Google. You're broke.
You see, listen, let me help you a bit so that you can pray with a free conscience. Huh? I would have no purpose if people are not down. <laughs> they are not dealing with sickness and they need to grow spiritually. So the reason why there's so much wisdom is so that a simple mind can be graduated. So every time you feel like, wow, I've learned, it means initially you were my customer. And you needed my product. <laughs> so it means that I needed your problem for my relevance. <laughs> I needed your problem for my relevance. So what then is my relevance if you have no problem? The problem may be to grow spiritually. The problem may be many people to do makeup on. It's trouble because maybe they don't have all these places they can go to. So that trouble is what you are there to solve. You understand now, eh? You are now ready to pray. Okay, pray according to how you understand. Begin to pray. God today will receive mixed prayers. Take your time. I want you to pray.